your reality is spiritual. His truth is his truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. Lord, I joined that prayer we were just having. <laughs> we ask that you would continue to make us a people that are more and more a people that are, that are the place where your presence can rest. That we would be more uh, a people for your presence so that your power can just move here, can move in the community. We want that. Do you all want that? Say amen with me. Okay, rest. So one of the things that started to bug me as we move through this series, this has kind of been building on my spirit, is we just haven't focused on specifically on Jesus a whole lot. Have you noticed that? <laughs> this week it started to bug me, and I think the Holy Spirit caused it to bug me. So this morning we're going to get like painfully practical. We're going to begin to just focus on Jesus. Um, I'm going to toss out a, a little bit of review to get us back on the same page of, you, you know, uh, let's see, this is message number seven of this series. I didn't think we'd still be doing this, but I can tell there's more to come. So um, we're going to be doing this some more. But I'm going to start back in the same place I started last week, just to kind of build a mindset, okay? We look at, um, when we think of rest, we look at Jesus, and it's all too common to think, okay, what he did was he retreats to rest, and then so that he's got like the energy or he's feeling rested enough to go back into the work of the ministry. And then he goes out and engages the world, and we think he goes back to rest. Now, last week, and I'm going to do it again, I pointed out that that's not actually what the Word of God says. It says he went to pray. <laughs> he, I'm not saying he didn't rest. I'm sure he slept, he napped. Um, I think he was probably, you know, I know from my relationship with him that he's one of the funnest people I know. And so, I mean, he loves fun. He's the author of Party. And so he's all about leisure and vacations and that kind of rest. But the rhythm that the Word of God records for us is that he goes off to pray. In other words, he goes off to have intimacy with his Father. And then he returns back to engage this fallen world with the ministry, with the calling in his life. So what did we say? Why is that so important <laughs> to understand that? And here's the reason. Rest is not something we like stop and exit to go do, at least not the rest that the Word of God talks about as we're learning in this series. As the Word of God talks about rest, rest is something that as sons of God, as the chosen people, we have. In other words, we go, we retreat, okay, if you want to call it that. We enter times of private intimacy with our good, good Father in order to have rest restored. Does that make sense? We don't leave it there. The whole idea is that we are a people of rest. Rest is something we have in the war. We have it in the chaos. In the work, we're still a people of rest. The kind of rest, biblical rest, which is, which is a faith, a grounded faith in who he is. 
Now, I'm going to put it out there. You ready for this? Rest is being more fascinated with who he is than our problems or what we're dealing with. That's rest. Rest is an assurance that my God is so good and he's so capable and he loves me like that that no matter what, I can rest. Now, that doesn't describe me all the time. I'm not trying to present that. I'm just saying that is what the Word of God presents. We're a people of rest. We don't exit to rest. So um, turn with me to Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. Pretty sure we read this last week, and these are probably the most famous words on rest. At least they're famous to me. (laughs) Jesus' words on rest, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's it. Just come to me, like the last song. Coincidence, right? That that was the last song? (laughs) But now here it is, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's a promise there, but what two things are said in the words of our king? Take my yoke and learn from me. Now let's talk about yoke for a minute, okay? And you've you've all probably heard this before, but it's so important we just kind of get this before we move off into what I'm really supposed to say. You understand yoke is, it's it's a tool, right? It's a tool of purpose and work, Okay, so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, you understand a yoke is like they would have put on the oxen. It would have been for a purpose because it's work time, because there's stuff to do. And it would have yoked the oxen to the master to be under the control of the master. So part of this, part of rest in these words, part of the presence coming to settle is being yoked with the purposes of him. You got it? And then learn from me, right? So it's, it's important to recognize that, but, but it's, all, it's even more important that at this moment you don't hear me saying we can work hard enough to have the rest of God or that he has an expectation that we work in order to have rest. That's not it. It's, it's a sharing. It's an intimacy, a sharing of purpose of being yoked together that brings that deep soul rest. You know, this world does not have rest. It has counterfeit versions, but it, it, doesn't have the, it doesn't have true rest. And rest is a thing of faith. So here's the thing. Here's what we're going to do this morning. Um, we're going to look at Jesus, and specifically we're going to look at, you know, it's, it's very important to understand that, that he's our model. Now, I have to be careful. I'm not saying he's just a model. There are some that would say, man, he was a great teacher. And he was. He was a way better teacher than I am. <laughs> and he was a model. But here's what you've got to understand. The word of God is very clear that he laid down the divine. In other words, he walked as a spirit-filled man. Why is that so important? What he did, do you know that Jesus could not walk on water? Jesus, filled with the Spirit and the will of the Father, 
walked on water because he laid down the divine attributes, you know, in the same way. And why is that so important? He's the model. He's, he showed us how we live in such a faith-filled rest that we are powerful like that in the callings that are on your life. If he didn't lay down the divine attributes and get filled up with the spirit and intimacy with his father, then he wouldn't be something that you, someone that you could follow. Does that make sense? What you see him do is the call on your life. He says, as I was sent, so you're sent. Now I've got to be really careful because I love that scripture and I'll go down a road and that's not even in my notes. So, um, so let's move in to the life of Jesus here. Um, let's just make sure I don't have anything else I need to say. Yeah. Yeah, so let me just reiterate, okay? Actually, a few more things. I can't help myself. Um, let me just reiterate this one point, okay? So, and you've got to hold on to this in this message. We go into intimacy with him. In other words, we have private times, holy times. What's that mean? Dedicated times for intimacy. In fact, I'm just going to put it out there. Here's a little spanking. If, if you're not dedicating that, if you don't have that, you really are in trouble. You really are hindering yourself. Why? Because that is the place, and Jesus illustrated it for us, that is the place where we, are, where we restore our rest. Not where we go rest, where we restore our rest that we take with us. Have you had seasons or are you in one now where you get really, really worn out and you're like, geez, I don't even know if I can crawl, much less be powerful in the ministry of my life. Anybody? I'm just going to put out there, I find that almost every time, and I might even just go ahead and say, every time I get to that point in my life, if I look really close, I, I say, um, I'm neglecting that intimacy that replaces my rest. It has something to do with being outside of faith, outside of trust, and, and it's my responsibility. Hebrews chapter 3, as we've looked at throughout this whole series, says, be diligent to enter the rest. That's an active role. How do we be diligent? Well, we're about to look at how Jesus was diligent. Okay, go to Luke chapter 24. And verse 36. Does anybody actually go to anymore? Here's one. Here's a couple. <laughs> go to the screen. <laughs> See, now you've got, you've got to turn the pages louder so the pastor's encouraged because there's only three people turning pages. <laughs> right, right. Okay, here's our Jesus. Um, so... I'm just going to I'm going to do this part really quick. So put your seatbelt on because because I need to get to what I need to get to here. But this the context here Jesus has just risen from the dead. Okay? And I'm just going to put out there actually let me do this. We are going to talk about environments. I feel like you need to know this first. We're going to talk about in Psalm 116 I think and I think it's verse 18. Um it says the, the, heaven, e the heavens, even the heaven is the Lord's. Y'all remember this from a few weeks ago? Are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. In other words, listen, there are realms in your authority. 
earth realms that, are, that you're accountable for, that because he loves you so much, he makes you responsible for it, and it's realms in your authority. In order not to rabbit trail too much, I'm going to leave that at that. I'm just going to tell you that we're going to start, this is going to be a painfully practical message today. We're going to talk about how you're responsible for, for physical atmosphere, for bringing the atmospheres in your life into a place where God can rest, where the presence of God is. Does that sound good? How many of you know you need that? I need that. I'm going I'm to listen to my own message. Um, so this is heroes, okay? And, and his disciples are cowering in a room. There's a physical environment for you. <laughs> they, their, their Lord, their, their rabbi, their master's just been put to death. He's been raised from the dead. But you know what they're thinking. I mean, you really have to put yourself in, in their shoes. This is a terrifying environment. They just hate, hated the, those that have power, just hated their master so much that they killed him and they're his disciples. Are you tracking? So you know what they're thinking. You know we're next. They're cowering up in a room. And um, verse 36. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. Now what you have to understand is, and we may or may not look at the version in John, but in, the, in John, the Gospel of John, it makes it clear they have the door closed up and locked. They're, they're bunkered in, and Jesus just appears in the midst of them. Now if they weren't in a bad place before, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I mean, imagine that for real. Imagine being there. All of a sudden, Jesus is standing there in the midst of them. If you weren't a little out of sorts before that, that would do it. Right? <laughs> I don't know if any of them had to clean their underwear or, you know, like what went on, but that's something. Like, think of that. That happened. <laughs> and, and he says, he shows up, and the first thing he has to say is, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit, and he said to them, Why are you troubled? You got to love this guy. <laughs> Why are you guys troubled? I mean, what do you have to be troubled about? But you know he's the only one that's thinking correctly. What do they have to be troubled about? They're the ones that walked with him, know him. Goes on and says, Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Now listen to this. There's an insight here and it's going to lead us where we're going. He says peace to them. And you know that he could observe that um, it didn't take. In fact, we probably will read the Gospel of John. It didn't really set in um, because in the Gospel of John, it, it clearly records he offered twice. He offers him peace. It didn't take. He does some things like we're reading and he offers it again. Okay? But here's why I'm saying this. Um, it is, notice what he does. He begins to evidence who he is to them. The first time they couldn't receive the peace because they weren't quite sure of his identity. Now relate this to your life. Lack of peace, lack of rest is, is a lack of assurance in who he is. It goes back to what I already said. 
being more fascinated with your problems than who he is and what he's capable and his love over you is called the lack of rest. And then he goes on. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, but while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? That's like the guy when you're on a retreat or in college or whatever, they show up at your dorm room and what they're most concerned. You, hey, you guys got anything to eat? <laughs> I mean, it cracks me up. He's at rest, right? And then they give him some fish and on he goes, like, well, we got some fish left. You, you want the last of our fish? It, picture that scene. I mean, that really happened. Do you do that? Do you meditate like that? Now I'm going to show you. In, in, we're gonna, I guess we're not going to do this quickly. Maybe this is what we're just going to do. <laughs> it, go to John 20, verse 19. And I'm going to show you this because I'm going to tell you what we're doing. I'm showing you the prerequisites to the presence of God coming to your house. <laughs> Peace is a prerequisite. And we've been looking at that all through this series. What? What does it say? When you have come into that rest then you'll have a place for my name, right? Then you'll have a place to build a temple for my glory so that my presence can have a permanence among you, right? We're reading the same thing here just in this little narrative of Jesus' life. Here in verse 19, is this, is a, this is another account of the same moments, okay? Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he'd said this, look, he evidenced who he was. He showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. When? When they had some understanding of who he is, right? Okay, so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. Here it is. As the Father has sent me, also I send you. And when he'd said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. This is why I spent more time than I planned on. Rest is prerequisite to the receiving of the kingdom of God, to the receiving of the presence of God. Notice that he didn't just walk into the room and breathe on them and give them the Holy Spirit. There's a narrative that precedes that. He offers peace and when they can't enter it because they don't have that knowing of him that they need, he evidences who he is, offers them peace again. Thank God he's stubborn like that. I might have taken more than twice for it to take on me, but he was faithful to make sure they understood who he was to offer the rest of the kingdom again so that there was a place for his glory. Then they could receive the Holy Spirit then they could receive the kingdom. You know, he is the kingdom, right? Okay. Go to Matthew 9. Now, that, here's what we're really talking about. You ready? Matthew 9, verse 18. We're going to begin looking at how Jesus practically lives as a man of rest in his life. And we're going to look at environments he enters into, okay? Okay. I'm just going to start reading 918. It says, While he spoke these things to them, so he's teaching, 
Behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come lay your hands on her and she will live. Okay, let's gather some things. This is a ruler. He knows something about power, doesn't he? I mean, at least as far as the physical realm goes. Um, but does he have problems? <laughs> Major problems. He's got some issues going on. His, his daughter just died. But now I want you to show you that, I want to show you that in the midst of this, he has this incredible rest. I'm going to start showing you, not leisure, the real definition of rest, okay? In the midst of great trouble. He's got this rest because what does he say? He says to Jesus, just come, lay your hands on her and everything will be cool. That is a certain kind of rest, right? That's a certain kind of faith. If I can just get to him and have him come and lay his hands on my daughter, it'll be cool. Now look at this, verse 19. So, so Jesus arose and followed him and so did his disciples. Did you catch that? Get a load of this. How many times do the scriptures say, um, lead us to, G to follow Jesus? <laughs> when he calls his disciples, he says, come follow me, right? Did you get a load of what this guy just did? <laughs> he got Jesus to follow him. <laughs> do you have a picture of that sentence? This guy's leading off to go to his house. Jesus is behind, and it literally says, and so did the disciples. So there's a, pro a procession of the, of the ding-dongs following behind, and, and they're probably going, you know, I thought we were doing this. This guy just got the presence of God to go to his house. How did he do that? <laughs> Rest. He made a place where the presence of God is at home in a type of faith that rests because, because that mindset is more fascinated in what God is capable of than my problems. Any parents in here? His daughter just died. Okay, now go to verse 20 with me. And this just happens along the way. So you got it? You've got the parade is going to this guy's house. And this just happens along the way. Side narrative. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Now get a load of that. First of all, you got to understand, um, we all know that it's, it's, a health, it's a problem. It's a real health issue if you have female bleeding like this. Okay? That's a, that's a real medical problem. But you have to put yourself in this culture. That means that for tw what, 12 years, she is unclean. She is prohibited from, this is, a, this is a problem of shame. She is prohibited from entering the normal worship that everyone does. That's this woman. But do you see the rest on her? I mean, I'm not saying she had a life of rest. I think, she, I think it was horrible. I think it was shameful and, and the condition she was in was, was as bad as you can imagine. But in this moment, she found rest, the scriptural kind, 
the kingdom kind of rest. If I can just get to him and touch him, it'll be made right. I'll have the kingdom. That's, that's an atmosphere of faith, and she gets it. We can't go into it for time's sake this morning, but other, other um, versions, other gospels record this where um, Jesus wasn't even conscious of her doing this. He felt the power of the kingdom of God flow through him, and he turns around to say, who touched me? <laughs> In other words, what? The rest, the, the making of a place that is so fitted, so in faith, so at rest in who God is, made it so that the, the, um, the actuality of the kingdom of God, just she ripped it from the heavens into her house. <laughs> Does that make sense? I'm getting a little fired up now. <clears throat> she, she pulled it out without Jesus even participating. I mean, he participated. He was a vessel, right? He's a model. Look at that. Look at our king. He gave us something we could follow. Thank God he does it that way. You know, most of the time when I think, okay, we're, we're going to have some holy prayer here, that's usually when, <laughs> when not much happens in the kingdom of God. It's usually like that story. I'm totally shocked when I see the power of God do something through me. I'm like, wow, <laughs> look at that. Totally despite me. I wasn't even consciously participating in that. Anybody else? I have it more that way than like when I think I'm about to do something for him. <laughs> That's just on the way. Verse 23 says, when Jesus came into the ruler's house, so we're now back to that, he's entering into the house. Now get a load of the atmosphere that he enters into. He enters into the house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. And he said to them, make room for the girl is not dead but sleeping. Now listen to me. We're going to keep reading. But you have to know what that is. And just in case you don't, in their time, they would have mourners, flute players and mourners. And in fact, if you were wealthy like this person, and we can assume he was because it says it identifies him as a ruler, you would actually hire mourners who would wail. And, and the whole idea was, the greater the spectacle, the more prestige or the more um, drama or attention you brought over this death. So if you were very, very wealthy, I mean, it would, it would be a sound that might fill the whole town with wailing because you had money to hire people to wail. In other words, what? They were professional... <laughs> um, what would you say? They were, well, they were professional mourners, but... Um, spectacle creators over death. <laughs> does that sound like rest? No rest in that, right? The world does not have rest. And this is the atmosphere Jesus follows this guy to. Now I want you to see what Jesus does. First of all, he says, make room. He's already, he's already being kind of harsh. And they ridiculed him. It says that next. There's the world for you. Now, verse 25 is really why we're reading this. It says, But when the crowd was put outside, in other words, Jesus said, Get out. <laughs> this is not the atmosphere for the kingdom of God. Get out. 
So when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. Now, I think it's utterly significant that this passage does not record anything of his manner of raising this girl to life. It only records one thing for us. He kicked the crowd out. Now here's where, here's where we're going with this. This is what you got to catch. You are responsible for your environments. You are authorized as a son of God to have authority over the realms that you have authority in, in this world. The heavens are his. The earth he's given to man. That's, um, next week we're going to bring this to an internal, but I mean, even just to get a load of this truth in the external world that we are obviously supposed to have authority over is step one. You have you have been given the responsibility and you are accountable for environments. Are they environments that invite the glory and the presence of God into your house, your business, your place? Now I get it. If you work somewhere, don't. I'm not telling you to go to work and kick everybody out wherever you work. <laughs> don't do that and come back and blame me for the results. <laughs> but listen to me. You have been given, God will show you where he is granting authority. If you're sensitive to the move of the Spirit in your life, you will know realms that he is given, giving to you to have authority in and make them places for the rest of the the rest, for the presence of God to rest, for the yoke of Jesus to come upon. It is your job, okay? I'm going to go ahead and say that. It doesn't sound right. I'm saying it anyway. It is your job to take the authority that you have from the spiritual realm and, and make it so in your physical realm. And right now I'm just talking about physical things. I'm just talking about when the Holy Spirit calls you to pray healing prayer over someone or something like that, and you've got a room full of unbelief and the Spirit makes you sensitive to that. I mean, I'm talking about physical things like that. Kick them out. <laughs> it's what Jesus did. I'm talking about the decisions we make, the places you go. You know, if you spend most of your time in places <clears throat> that are not suited do not make God feel at home, are not suited for God, and that's where you spend your time. It begins to mold you. It takes you out of that presence of God. Now, let's get something straight. In the Old Testament, it, it makes very clear for his chosen people that they were not to mingle with outsiders. They weren't to marry them. They weren't to take on their religions. They weren't to take on their ways. And over and over it says that. You're tracking? At the same time, there are places where there were very clear prescriptions for how an outsider becomes one of them. So the heart of God that all should be saved was already there. So let's get this straight. What's going on? Does that feel like a paradox to anyone? 
It's not. Let's alleviate that. Do you know that there is a difference between your ministry, the callings on you, where you, like Jesus did, where you go out and you interact with the fallenness of this world, there is a difference between that and your chosen company. I'm going to tell you what the difference is. I, I just, I felt like I, God was asking me to shine light on this. And so through a lot of prayer and study, I came to this simple thing. When you're moving out in ministry, when you're reaching out into outsiders, being the love of God for this fallen world, you are moving out to mold it. You are moving out to transform whatever it is, an environment, a person, a family, because God loves that, loves them. When you move out to do that, that's, that's ministry, and you are bringing it into conforming with the kingdom. Are you tracking? Now, where we've got to be careful, where we have accountability for our decisions, our actions, responsibility in our life, that is the places where we, we hang out, places that are molding us. Whether you know it or not, we do all kinds of things. We participate in things. We go places. We have certain company that begins to mold us either more into, and that's what is so warned against. Don't mingle with that, okay? There's a ministry there. You know, it's like I, I saw on the news, now I'm probably rabbit trailing, but I, I feel like since I've gone down this road, I saw on the news there's, there's someone who ministers in bars. Like he holds service in the bars and it's amazing what God's doing with it <laughs> people are being saved and lives are being changed it's a calling on his life it's obvious but that is not the same thing as just choosing to spend all your time in that environment does that make sense he's got a calling the grace of God is on it <laughs> okay Hmm. We're gonna have we're gonna have many messages on this. Actually, let's just keep reading. It's the only thing to do. Verse twenty-seven. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, "Son of David, have mercy on us." Is there a faith there? Somewhere God can come to rest. A rest. Verse 28, and when he had come into the house, so what happened there? They pulled the presence of God, in this case, very Jesus, very God, into their house. It kind of skipped the details, but we have to assume it says, and when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? What's he checking on? The rest that's there. Now I think he knows the answer. And they said to him, yes, Lord. In other words, what are they saying? Yes, Lord, I believe you got this. And I believe it was that faith that causes he came into their house. You're just seeing this pattern. Now, now go with me. He says, then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. This is one of the most twisted verses ever. <laughs> It's used for guilt trips and the abuse of beautiful Christians. If you don't have enough, well, the reason you didn't get your healing, you don't have enough faith, brother. <laughs> That's called spiritual abuse. 
and just reject that. There's no worse abuse than spiritual abuse. But it is telling us something here. Jesus' words are according to your faith. According to your faith what? According to your faith, the presence of God settles, comes at rest. According to your faith, you reach out into the spiritual realm and bring the kingdom. And I said to him, yes, we believe that. Touched their eyes. Now look, he, then he sternly warned them saying, see that no one knows it. You ever wonder why that goes on? <laughs> you see, he's not going to send them out there to get devoured. They just got their healing. They just received the kingdom, the things of the kingdom, the kingdom itself on their own behalf. And he also knows, why did he go into the house? You know, he did healings right there in the street. In this passage, he's in a place where the unbelief is rampant. He goes into the houses <laughs> because he, re what did he do? And you should hear this part. He moved himself to an atmosphere where the kingdom of God was free to move. And then he sternly warns them, don't go, don't go out there and go blabbing. Now it says, um, but they departed and they spread the news about him in all that country. <laughs> when you get blessing like that, it's probably very hard to help yourself. But he sternly warned them not to go out and throw the, their treasure of the kingdom into an atmosphere that was riddled with unbelief and lack of rest in who he is. I am going to cut myself off here really quick. Um, but I've got to show you one more thing. I have so many more passages of Jesus. I think we're going to look at more because it's very, very valuable of how Jesus is diligent, even in the physical, to make sure that it is a place of rest where the presence of God can be free. Are you getting this part? Now look at this. And I'm going to show you. Go to the 32, verse 32. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the ruler of demons. Now catch this. I love that grin. <laughs> now catch this. The same event is observed by different people. Those who are at rest, those, are, those who are more captivated by who he is than the problems that are going on have these eyes of faith that cause them to rest in who he is, see him. I want to tell you something. Being at rest, faith causes you to see God. And you will be surrounded by people who are not where you're at and they will see the same events and they will not see God. That's for you. In fact, what this is recording is they not only failed to see God, they credited God as, as evil. The activity of God, the breakthrough of heaven in this physical place they said was of the demonic when they spoke about your king. 
What was the difference? Those who were at rest. Eyes of faith. Eyes that are, that are so consumed with who he is and his ability that the issues and the problems of this life, we just read about a bunch of people who had really severe problems. But they were consumed with God's ability. Are you tracking? <laughs> they were more worried about just getting to the presence of God, just getting, getting the presence of God into my house was their concern far more than their concern over what the problems themselves actually were. Who needs a breakthrough? Got some? <laughs> Start praying for rest. And I'll tell you one thing we learned, and I probably passed over it too quickly, so just, just hear me, church. Rest is is knowing him. It's going to be found in intimacy and it's knowing him in such a way that, that nothing compares to him. No, no problem competes with his ability. It's in his identity. It's having some understanding when he shows you his hands and his feet. What is he doing when he shows them the hands and the feet? I mean, I, I get the, the, the surface version, right? He's proving, no, look, I'm him. <laughs> but it's uncanny. What is he actually doing? No, look at my hands and my feet. I'm the one who rose from the dead. I'm the one who the Spirit has risen and I'm standing here with you. The same Spirit that raises me is the Spirit that y'all get. That brings rest when you know him that way. Okay, now, we're going to have the Lord's Supper today. I'm going to do the other two-thirds of this another day. <laughs> Soon, <laughs> and have the Lord's Supper. Now, obviously, you, um, I invite you, I encourage you to just be sensitive, just listen to the Spirit um, as we partake of the Lord's Supper today together. But um, I'm going to put out there in, in my prayer just this morning, I feel like um, you should receive an invitation to do this. In the grace of this meal, and you do believe there's actual grace here, right? He doesn't have us do this because it's, it doesn't have his presence in it. He doesn't plan to bless that we do this. This is a blessing that has grace. And I believe that he, he would have us evaluate in this meal our, our environments. What has been given into the realm of your authority? your responsibility that means you're accountable for it what has been given to you where you haven't used your authority to make it a place for God's rest now one of them is you the Lord may bring to your mind some place some place some people that you're not supposed to be a part of at all and for whatever reason you're allowing yourself to be a part of that 
That's how the conviction came to me this week. There, there are some things. The Lord will call you to separate yourself from things. Why? Because he may not be at home there. And if you've got a higher value for that, then the yoke of Jesus, the presence of God that rests so that your callings and your destinies are free with all the power of God on it, then he is, he is ever, he's never going to stop calling you out of things so that you can be called to things, really broken, dark places and things that you bring a change to. So ask the Lord to reveal you know, what is he waiting for you to take your authority over and say, this is not okay. This does not make God at rest in my life. And so I've got to strip that out. Lord, help me strip that out.